when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. I'm going to tell you something. I want to go tell our story. I, I'm tired as hell of turning on ESPN and Sports Center and people getting to pick what the hell they want to say about us. we got a bunch of young guys that came here for a damn reason. I want to tell our story on national television. I'm tired of people talking about us. I want to go tell our story. That's why the hell we're all here. So we can tell our story. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. Right here, we're getting really close to game actions. We're getting excited. Uh, but this is always the time of week that's a little slow, so we don't have a ton of news to, to run down here, Shane. But we are going to hit on a couple of the teams that are, were on a bye this week, so we don't want to, you know, we haven't been trying to ignore these teams, but just not obviously much to talk about if they don't have a matchup so we're going to get into some of that but before we do that Shane and do a quick little around the league I do want to make this note because I thought this was pretty cool obviously uh, we like to talk some gambling on here you know we're proudly Mm -hmm. presented by mybookie.ag so we wanted to bring this to everyone's attention but the uh, the super book out of Westgate Las Vegas this is a one of the more well-known sports books there in Las Vegas. They have updated their games of the year lines after the first five weeks of the college football season. And uh, I just thought the fans would appreciate some of these lines. And we'll go with uh, some of the contenders here in the SEC. Let's start right there, Shane. How about this line? Alabama at home against LSU, according to the Superbook, uh, Alabama would be a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in Tuscaloosa oh. over LSU. What are your thoughts on that one? I get no respect, Mike. <laughs> what does LSU got to do, you know, to make this a closer? I mean, we're talking two scores. I think that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, LSU's averaging about 60 a game, so not certainly don't – I'm not saying they're going to score 60 on Alabama, but you got to think they're – you know, they're going to get at least 30, so yeah. you really think Alabama's going to put up 45? I don't know. I mean, this, that's going to be that's going to be a back-and-forth one. That line certainly jumped up. How about this one, Shane? Alabama on the road at Auburn. Crimson Tide favored by 11. Jeez, Mike, just crown them already, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not buying that. I mean, from every, everything I've seen, and again, I'm not saying Auburn's going undefeated and when they're not 
locking them in as national champions, but based on the five games we've seen from 2019, there is nothing I have seen that you can convince me that Alabama should be 11-point favorite on the road at Auburn. If I'm right now, if I'm uh, you know anyone outside of an Alabama fan, I think I'm jumping on that 11 because I think once this game rolls around, it. I mean, this could be a single-digit line. This could be Auburn could be the favorite for all we know. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I get making them the favorite. I mean, because that's just seems like natural. That's what you got to do for some reason. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. Uh, a two-score. I just I'm not seeing that. Just going off the material that we've seen this year, of course, maybe Bama's holding something back. We don't know. Mm-hmm. How about this line, Shane? Georgia against Florida, obviously in Jacksonville on the neutral site. There, Bulldogs favored by ten. That seems mm. about right to me. How about you? Yeah, I say that's that's right about. I mean, that's a perfect spot for them. Of course, that this is one of those games that could all change by this Saturday. If Florida goes out there and wins, then I, I think that this thing becomes a, a one-score game. Mm-hmm. Another big game. We've already touched on this one a couple times this year. I think this is uh, quickly lo- looking like the best game regular season potentially in the SEC. Georgia at Auburn, Shane. Bulldogs favored by three and a half. Any uh, arguments there? Maybe Auburn should be favored. Maybe that should be a little bit different. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's more – now, wait, where's this game at? Is it in Georgia? It's at Auburn. At Auburn. Okay, so I don't know. Don't you think – kind of take that as a knock on Georgia? Uh, here you got Alabama favored by two scores, yet Georgia, same situation. You only got them favored by three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, that's I, an interesting point. And it's not even – I mean, it's a rivalry, but it's not nowhere near as big as the Iron Bowl. So, yeah, I, I think that's a little disrespect for them Bulldogs, Mike. All right, Shane, how about this one? LSU at home against Florida. I think this line will shock you, Shane. LSU favored by 14 over the Gators. Good grief. So Georgia has a better shot. So there's no, they're saying LSU has a better shot against Florida than than Georgia does. So I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it. I think it's the respect of LSU, their offense, and they're getting them in Baton Rouge, and we already know that's going to be a night game. You know, the Gators are going to be coming into a a damn buzzsaw on that one. You know, they went through a little thing where they're making this the homecoming. Are are they doing that again this year? Do you know? Have you heard anything? (laughs) (laughs) You remember that? Yeah, I remember that being a a big deal. I'm not sure when LSU's homecoming would be, but I do know, you know, some of this is overrated, but I know this weekend is Florida's homecoming. They made Auburn the, the homecoming opponent, and I think that could prove to be a mistake. Dude, we got some damn games coming up, Mike. I mean, so. how about this one, Shane? This one uh, is another really good matchup: LSU, Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. LSU at home against Auburn. <laughs> the Tigers, I was about to say, but they're both Tigers. LSU favored by nine and a half over Auburn. Oh, okay, all right, so. I see how it's playing now. I, I see what game they're playing here, Mike. But I mean, this is one of those things. I mean, really, it 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 could all change. So if you if you are a gambling person, if you feel like your team, let's say you're an Auburn fan, and you're like, man, this is it. This is the year. Mm-hmm. You jump on your bets now because, like you said, the closer that it gets, the 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 thinner that line gets. Now, I will say this: you know, when you bet further out, you don't win as much. 
Uh, that's something you need to consider when you're gambling. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, the closer to date, uh, the you know, the more return you're going to get on your bets. But again, there's a huge difference than a, a 12 point spread and a three point spread. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, Shane. Um, now these other last games, these are obviously not going to really affect the SEC championship, but. You know, one of my favorite things about college football, about SEC football, just because your team's out of the running for a national championship or a conference title, you still want these games, Shane, rivalry games. It means so much, particularly these in-state ones, because if Mm -hmm. you lose it, you got to hear about it for a damn year. (laughs) That's right. Florida against Florida State, Shane. Gators favored by 14 and a half over Florida State. And I don't even know if that's enough. And this one is uh, this one is a home game for the Gators. No, I'm going over, Mike. I'm going over big. Mm-hmm. How about this one, Shane? Kentucky at home against Louisville. The Wildcats favored by a field goal. I, oh wow! I know Kentucky's been down, but I think uh, I think we're a little too low on the Wildcats now because you know obviously they've had the quarterback injuries and. You know, they're, they are hitting that rough patch of the schedule, but I think they're going to bounce back. I got a lot of faith in Mark Stoops and what he's built. I I think that's one I'm jumping on because I, I think by the time this game rolls around, it's probably going to be about a 10-point spread. I think you're right, man. This is a team that's getting healthier. So by the time we get to this game, like you said, I think that spread gets a little bit thinner. The Egg Bowl, Shane. Or, I'm sorry, bigger. I think it's going to get bigger. I think they'll be uh, – I think – I'm like you. I think they'll be a 10-point favorite by the time we get to this game. Mm-hmm. The Egg Bowl, Shane. Mississippi State at home against Ole Miss. The Bulldogs favored by 10. And this is one, Shane, where, you know, occasionally there's a blowout, but there's a lot of times where one team is heavily favored into it and the other time, excuse me, the other team not only covers but outright wins. Uh, This is one of the most heated rivalries in the entire SEC. Um, I think I'm if I'm looking at this one right now, I like Ole Miss and the points. Do you remember how this game ended last year? You know what I'm saying? This These guys do not like each other, and I think it elevates everyone when you play a game like this because this is all the people are talking about down there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, the uh, biggest game there in the state of South Carolina, the Gamecocks at home against Clemson. South Carolina, the underdog, of course, by 19 and a half. But I think that thing was around 30. I think when the season started. So mm-hmm. I think these gamblers, Shane, they're starting to come <laughs> on to the Cousin Shane special. <laughs> I think you're right, Mike. I think you're right. And I think Lindsey's getting healthier. And I think they found a little something last year. I'll tell you what. Last week, that defensive front was was freaking animals. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they keep working off that. By the time they get to this Clemson game, which doesn't look so, so uh, I mean, because, look, we're, we're basing Clemson off what? Texas A&M? You know what I'm saying, right? And uh, we're, you know, we were wrong about that. It feels like, and then, and then on the flip side, you see, uh, you see, no North Carolina giving them run for the money. And honestly, I wish they could do that two point conversion over again. Mm-hmm. All right, final game I'm going to hit on here, Shane. I'm doing this one for you. The battle of the Volunteer State. <laughs> you got a flippest rivalry. Otherwise, <laughs> cousin Shane may not make it to year three of this damn podcast. <laughs> Tennessee favored at home against Vanderbilt by nine and a half points. That seems like for a team that's only won one game. Well, each of these teams only won one game, but 
That feels like a lot right now for this one. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not enough. I don't know. It just depends how you're looking at it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're pretty confident that this streak is coming to an end. I think so, but, you know... The thing about Vanderbilt, it seems like we always catch them like when we're like really down. You know, we we took some lumps. We took we lose a game or two that we weren't supposed to. Mm-hmm. And you know, the benefit to losing just about every game, there's no lull. You know, so you're you're a competitor during every. I mean, you know what I'm saying. You can't overlook Vandy anymore. So I, I think there's a I think there's advantage there. But all jokes aside, I, I think uh, Tennessee's going to be better by that point. And also. I will say this. I think Vanderbilt's going to be better. You know, they they took a step forward this week, and if they can build off that, they got a nice schedule coming up. Who knows? This this bread, like you said, could get a little thinner itself. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so that's it for the game of the year lines. You ready to do a little uh, mini edition here of Around the League? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. My daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, so I know I said we're going to hit on the teams that had a bye week, but I just want to uh, start here in Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. I'm going to just hit on this real quick, but uh, this was first reported by uh, Edward Ashoff of ESPN, but uh, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette's little brother, the senior running back there for the Tigers, he has left the team, mm. up and left the team. I don't. He didn't even do it during the bye week, or maybe he did, and he's just, just now leaking the news, but... Uh, just said he left the team, just wants to move on with his life. That was the quote from uh, Edward Ashoff there. And that's interesting, Shane. I don't think that he really fit this new offense that well, but Mm-mm. the Tigers don't have a ton of depth at that position. I know they got some young runner backs. I certainly don't think this is uh, you know, going to derail their SEC chances by any means. But in the SEC, I mean, the Tigers, they've not really uh, gotten into SEC play outside of that Vanderbilt game. I don't know. I just I don't like seeing this that a running backs leaving you before you got to the meat of the SEC schedule. Yeah, and it just feels like everything's going good down there, you know. And I I get it. You've you probably got passed on the depth chart. You're a little upset. I mean, I mean everybody crowns Leonard when he comes down there to visit. Um, so I don't know. Uh, the man's the man's got to do his own thing. And if I don't know, did he say he was like done with football, or is he considering a transfer? That sort of thing or he's not come out and said anything and lsu's uh deleted him off the roster at least online so yeah I, oh. I, I certainly don't expect him to be back and i don't know if he's just gonna go crash with leonard now or huh. if he's if he he could go the grad transfer he's already graduated so he's yeah. got that in his back pocket maybe we'll see how it goes maybe you know maybe he just wants to go somewhere where it's more of a eye formation power running game that fits his skills and give it one more go. I that I do not know, but 
Just and, a, and we just don't, an odd, we, odd time to leave, I think. Yeah, and we don't want to speculate. There may be something else behind the scenes that we're not aware of, so right. who knows? I mean, he may have had a bad breakup or something. He just wants to get the hell out of town. So, I mean, these are kids, and they, you know, these kids make some decisions, you know, and not think about what they're doing. But I, I think that I think that this this uh, university is going to be behind him no matter what he decides to do. Uh, it's hard it's hard not to pull for a Fournette down there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think in the back of my mind, if LSU has a magical run here, like it looks like they could be on, and they do some special things, he he may regret this one for the rest of his life. Absolutely. Sp- hey, speaking of Fournette, uh, if you are a fan, uh, he's going to have his uh, documentary coming out Monday. It looks pretty cool. Hmm. Where's Leonard, that? Oh, Leonard. Where's that uh, airing at? Exclusively on the Jaguars app. Okay, so. Oh, there you go. Octo- October seventh. Uh, it's going to come out. Apparently, the Jaguars have their own application, so I'm going to be downloading that. You can watch it look like he's got like a little preview on his Twitter page. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to hit Monday, so it does look good. Talking about Louisiana and stuff like that, just how he got to college and how everything was accelerated when he was down there. It looks like a pretty cool story. All right, Shane. So let's move on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Nick Saban met with the media here on Wednesday. And he had, uh, obviously, a lot to say on the Crimson Tide and their off week and what they're working on. And, you know, maybe we've been a little critical of Alabama and it's, you know, we're picking at, uh, like, cracks in an armor here because, <laughs> I mean, Alabama's still kicking ass and their number one team in the nation jumped, jumped ahead of Clemson. We're certainly not suggesting that, uh, you know, they're going to start losing a bunch of games here, but there are things to pick apart here and... One of them is obviously that defense, Shane, and that's something Nick Saban was hitting on with the fact that, you know, they're already down several players on that side of the ball. They're hoping to get some guys back, but their depth has never been tested quite like it has been this year. And Mm -hmm. one troubling issue that Saban keeps bringing up with their up-tempo offense, the fact that they score so quickly, they kind of leave their defense out there a little too long. So he was asked about, you know, how do you limit those things? How do you uh, limit their snap counts, essentially? And then another thing, in now that Alabama is number one, how do they block out the noise? Uh, that's one thing I don't think Saban gets enough credit for, Shane. We, you know, we're both on record. This is probably the best college coach of all time. And whether you want to say that's coaching or recruiting which other people can do, but the one thing that Nick Saban has done in this era that I don't think anyone has ever managed to do quite like him, not Urban Meyer, not Pete Carroll, not Dabo Sweeney, is once his team wins a title, the next season, they're right back there, where Mm -hmm. we see it all the time. I mean, you know, Ohio State, Florida, under Urban winning a championship, and then the next year, I mean, they're off the map. Same thing at USC, Pete Carroll for some years, and we're kind of, kind of seeing it with Dabo now. It just it doesn't seem like Clemson's that motivated. So yeah. uh, that's that's a key to Alabama's success, keeping uh, the, the noise out. And now that Alabama's number one, Nick Saban talked about the challenge of doing that. That's something that he's hitting on during the bye week. You spoke a few times this year about the, the high number of snap counts. What do you see on film that, that can cut down on those 88, 86 snap games? Well, a lot of it is just mental errors, you know. I mean, you got to get off the field. When you get opportunities to get off the field, especially on third down, um, you know, we lost contain on a quarterback 
two or three times on third down where we had people covered. Uh, just keep the quarterback, make the quarterback throw the ball from the pocket. Um, you know, other times we make mental errors, uh, whether it's gap control or uh, how to fit plays. So, you know, the responsibility for the guys on the field when you're on defense is we got to get off the field. So get more turnovers, get more third down stops. Uh, responsibility for you on offense is stay on the field. You know, you're supposed to, you know, end every possession with a kick. Uh, but you also want to extend those drives as much as you can, try to score every time you can, whether it's a touchdown field goal. And there's going to be, a, you know, sometimes when we have to punt and we're smart and they do things to take advantage. So, but you want to try to keep the ball when you got it on offense. And then you want to try to make plays on special teams that are going to score or set up a score or control the vertical field position in the game. Have you kept your guys from buying into the outside noise? Like, how, like, what do you guys do to keep your guys from keeping the clutter out? Uh, talk about it just about every day. Um, and, you know, you kind of, you know, ignore, you know, some of those things uh, because I think humility is very important to paying attention to detail and doing things the right way. Uh, I don't think it really matters at all where you're ranked or rated right now. It only matters when it's January. Uh, when the season's over, that's that's all that matters. Uh, and it can slip away very, very quickly. And as it did this last week, it wasn't even because the team didn't win. It must have been somebody's perception of how they played. All right, so it's not even about winning. It's about how you play. And uh, I think every player creates value uh, by being his best every time he gets the opportunity to compete. Um, the scoreboard shouldn't matter. The score, the who you're playing shouldn't matter, um, and where you're ranked shouldn't matter, and what somebody says on the internet uh, shouldn't matter. So, you should be playing because you want to get the self-satisfaction that you know you did your best to be the best you could be, and uh, hopefully that's what we can get our players to focus on. Sometimes we succeeded at that, and sometimes we haven't. All right, Shane. So Nick Saban dropping some knowledge on here. I always like to, you know, when he's not being grumpy, not getting mad, I think he's got a lot of insightful stuff that he can drop time, from time to time. And uh, I yeah. kind of I kind of like what he had to say here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, I mean, he's a hell of a wordsmith, you know. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he, he, he knows how to work a crowd and – and he knows how to work these players, and I think that's important. You know, I, I don't think Alabama overlooks that many teams. And But, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a guy the other day. It just happened to have an Alabama hat on. We were just talking a little bit of football. And, you know, 75% of our conversation was about Clemson, you know, about North Carolina almost beating them. You know, I think we've got a shot this year. I mean, it's just I'm not saying that the players are, are – overlooking some of these teams in the sec but you know it does make you it gave me a perspective after that conversation it's just like you know that's where a lot of these fans are at right now they're they're thinking okay we've we're we've, we're gonna lock up this season we're gonna win the sec championship we may have to, we, i mean we're gonna have to play georgia again they're already thinking about games like that mm-hmm. and there's plenty of stumbling blocks along the way and you know it's 
it's not like it's been in the past because you have teams like Auburn, you have teams like LSU that are emerging in the West that that are real contenders. And and if you drop that game, there's a good there's a possibility you get left out of the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge of, of you know keeping his team in line, keeping them focused. Because I think you're right. This next couple of weeks, Shane. I mean, they're not really going to be tested. Well, unless you're considering the trip to Texas A&M, and they look like you know they're far and away not what they need to be. Mm-hmm. And, and if that trend continues, I mean, Alabama's not really going to have. We hit on the LSU and Auburn game. Those are both in November. We just hit October. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got to. It's got to be that challenge of not looking ahead because this season, where it's not necessarily been that way in years past, if somehow, some way. Alabama finds a way to lose a game or, God forbid, two in the SEC this year, they're not going to win the West because uh-huh. there's legitimate contenders all around them, and they cannot afford to slip not only in those marquee games but in another game. I mean, the Citadel gave them a, a, gave them a good game last year, and that was, that was the yeah. one time I can recall Saban not really having his team ready to go in the first half, and I'm sure they got uh, – you know they got tore their ass up in the in the halftime because I think they <laughs> the second half were about forty to zero. They won the second half. Right. Yeah. I mean it's easy to do and and I just don't think you know Saban's been in it so long. He's been at the top so long that I, I think he understands how to address you know t- just success and how he's. I mean what like I always talk. One of the best interviews I ever saw was with him and Charles Barkley, you know, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there in the stands and, and talking about what's it like to be on top of the mountain, you know, and and Saban was just like, well, you're never there. You know, you cannot get complacent at any time. you got to keep and that's why he nitpicks the me, the media. That's why he finds these little things that he needs to address. You know, uh, I mean, that's his biggest concern is the defense staying on the defense staying on the field longer than they should. You know, little things like that. But he's always giving these players something to work for, work toward, and uh, that's why they that's why they're just like that, man. I mean, it's it all stems from Coach Saban. All right, Shane. So let's jump on down to College Station where the Aggies are also on a bye, obviously. And uh, Jimbo met with the media here recently. And, yeah, things have not been going the Aggies' way this year, 3-2 and two on the season. But that was the same record they were at last year at this point, Shane. And they reeled off, I believe it was three in a row. And I think they finished something like, uh, you know, they must have went six and three down the stretch, something like that. So, mm-hmm. You know, that's not a bad that's that's what they're looking to accomplish this year because they're probably out of the SEC championship unless they find a way to beat Alabama in two weeks. That's the challenge for Jimbo Fisher. Get his team on the right path with Alabama coming into town. It's gonna to be a huge game. And that was what uh, Jimbo Fisher was asked about on obviously not being too pleased with where his team's at now. But he's seeing the potential for where they could be. And then also on the fact that uh, these players are experienced being in this exact same position, 3-2 and two last year, and how that will help them down the stretch of this season. Jimbo, as you go into this off week and assess where you are, how far is this team from where it needs to be in terms of playing at a peak level? In your oh, opinion? I think it's just like any team is. I, I think I bet you any team that says 
it's it's close and the country's wrong. We're definitely not. We, we can play at a peak level, but we got to play with greater consistency. And we got to strain, not just physically, but mentally to stay locked in. To understand that it's just a mental strain that where the, the great teams play at. That they understand the importance of every step, of every alignment, of every assignment, that how your toes pointed, how that, and I know that sounds very trivial, but that's what it gets down to. And the mental strain to do it each and every day. And sometimes, and it's not, either, and they say, well, you're young and you'll learn to do that. Well, okay, but when, you know, you don't have to be old to learn that. I mean, we have some young guys right now that are doing a really good job of that. And it's just, I'm talking about as a football team, and as a coach, we have to keep, people say, what do you do? Make them do it again. What do you do? Make them do it again. What do you do? Make them do it again until it becomes a habit, until you understand the importance of it. And we also, I mean, and if guys don't do it, you make adjustments, you move guys around. Depth and competition makes for great challenges and things that happen. And that's what we have to do. And, and find guys that are willing to do it each and every play. And I don't, I don't think our guys don't want to do it. I'm not saying that. But it's like all of us, to really get pushed and challenged in everything you do. I mean, to have it each and every day. That's, that's a hard thing, but that's, that's the life we choose as coaches and players and things we do, and we have to learn to do that. And the teams that can do that the best are the teams that usually have the most success. But Justin was telling us, making a reference to last season, after the Arkansas game, being 3-2 and two after a close win over Arkansas, and, and the way that team responded, do you see parallels that this team can draw upon from what occurred last year. Well, I hope so, yes. I do. I mean, you see parallels because the guys have been through it. You have guys that have done it. And I think guys that understand the importance of how you have to look at this. I, I do. But And then it gets matter. we we got to go back and do it. And that's what it's going to get down to. And not just do it on Saturdays. I keep saying that we got to do it on that practice field. And we do inspire. And we, and we practice very similar at times. We'll have moments. And I'll stop practice. I don't, sometimes you yell at them and get them. And I'll just say, hey, guys, all right, stop, stop. You remember in the game when we had this moment, when we, we lapsed for a series or two? This is what we're doing in practice right now. So how you're feeling mentally, think about what you got to do. Push through this situation. You try to educate. Because sometimes kids don't know they don't know. And they can't feel when something – it's not – everybody can fix it once it's happened. What the great teams can do is not allow it to happen and start to have that feeling and say, you know, this, this isn't going to happen and trying to educate them in that regard. And then hopefully we can do that in the practice. But, yes, hopefully we can. All right, Shane, so Jimbo Fisher. You know, it's interesting because remember when fall camp opened? I mean, this guy could not be – there was nothing that would please this, this man. <laughs> uh-huh. By the tail end of it, he was happy as can be. And it seems like that's continued even with his teams kind of struggling. And I particularly thought it was interesting in this little insight window he gave us into – you know, about stopping practice and, and getting his players to kind of mentally focus on on being these same situations during the game. I've never heard a coach quite put it like this, but I think this is uh, why the Aggies went out and got a guy like Jimbo Fisher because he knows what it takes to excel in the grind of the SEC, and he's just trying to get this young team to kind of grasp that. Absolutely, man. And, and you know, it gets back to fundamental football. And – that's the thing a lot of people forget. You know, the individuals stand out. Uh, with Texas A&M, it's Mond, and you know, and it's and it's these guys that they they steal the highlights. But you got to remember, this is eleven players, and all eleven have to be on the same page. They have to play sound fundamental football, or something's going to happen. There was a play. That, there's a video floating around right now during the Arkansas game. Arkansas, I can't remember who was it was running the ball in for a touchdown. 
Well, number 10 had an opportunity to make the tackle. And I'm terrible with names. I don't know. You you can look it up. But he had uh, an opportunity to make the tackle, and he just let up for some reason. He was just afraid to tackle the guy or what. And next thing you know, Arkansas just walks right into the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, that one person, you know. Now, should the play got to the end zone? Probably not. But that one time – he had an opportunity to stop it and not make this a ball game. So that's what it's about with these young people. And you you may see a, a blown mis- – you may see a sack or you may see uh, an interception and you, you want to blame Mond or you want to pl- blame the right guard when it should have been the, 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 the running back that has little to no experience should have picked up that blitz or, mm-hmm. you know, receiver didn't run a precise route and it wasn't on Mon. So it's just this, this little thing that we don't see. That's why we have the end result of some of these losses, I think. And I think it all stems to that young talent that they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something he hit on. I mean, just everybody doing their job, doing it every day, doing it every play and they're able to do it in spurts, but they've not been able to really put it together for a whole game. And we talk about the fact that they were three and two last year, and I mean, hell, shit, we got SEC Network people saying, you know, it might be a good move to uh, redshirt the entire team and sit them out to twenty twenty. So all this, stupid. but keep in mind, I know no one's going to be picking them. They don't play this week, obviously, but the following week they host Alabama. If somehow they find a way to beat Alabama, Shane, I think the the narrative flips immediately. That's Jimbo Fisher's signature win. And then they finish after the Alabama game, Shane, they get Ole Miss on the road. They get Mississippi State at home. And then they got Texas San Antonio. Uh, if they Uh-oh. if they could beat Alabama, they could beat the hell out of all those teams. I mean, they're going to be mm-hmm. on a damn roll. And then the next game, South Carolina. So, uh, I mean, this this could be a damn dangerous team if they just put it all together and, and get, get it in gear by the time Alabama shows up in a, a week and a half. You change a team's narrative at any given Sunday or Saturday. You know, any given Sunday is the same, but literally in the SEC, it's any given Saturday. And like you said, a Texas A&M defeat over Alabama, I mean, that just changes the whole outlook. One game can change a team's direction. So Texas A&M, they're down. They're upset that they had the close loss. They're upset about the Auburn game. They're upset about the Clemson game. But like you said, you come out and you catch Alabama off guard and you've got enough talent, man. You know, there's plenty of five stars on that team. They have an opportunity to beat them. And if they do it, and it all starts with fundamental football, then like you said, it changes the direction of this program. Mm-hmm. So I like that they're getting back down to the, the roots of this thing in the bye week. All right, Shane, so let's jump on down to Lexington. Well, Mark Stoops met here with the media here recently, and uh, yes, you know, there's a situation there with the quarterbacks. All of them pretty much banged up. Sawyer Smith is having a rough go of it, and they had to put Lynn Bowden back there, and he actually performed really well, I thought. I mean, he, he was the spark of the Wildcat offense against South Carolina. He led them down the field for a touchdown drive. Uh, so Stoops talking about the fact that Lim Bowden is going to c- get continued looks under center, or at least in the shotgun, if you want to call it that. And I also thought these comments, you know, Eddie Grand, there's few coaches in the SEC that I can think of right now, Shane, where the fans love him, 
and then they hate him, <laughs> and then they love him, and then they hate him. I mean, this this is a damn roller coaster with this guy, but uh, Mark Stoops is standing behind his man, Eddie Grant. Looks like Gwen's wearing There's a lot to look at. Looks like Glenn's wearing red jerseys. Is he in the quarterback room full time now? He's How in the quarterback room right now. Yeah, this you know for a few days here he, he will be, but he'll need to uh, stay in tune to the wide receiver position as well. But the nice thing about the quarterback position for him is, as we were talking about it, that the quarterback coach and Darren can teach him, you know, what what, what we're doing. Maybe it's a good way for him to learn sometimes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> there sometimes other? you got to trick him. Yeah. <laughs> you said. Mark, the only one who gets more criticism after a couple of tough losses, other than the head coach, is your offensive coordinator. Uh, why do you think Eddie is so polarizing? People seem to either love him or hate him. I think that's that goes with the position. It really does. Um, you know, I, I can remember back to winning a national championship and one of my good buds, Rob Chizinski, was the offensive coordinator and, and down in Miami and, you know, him just getting brutalized. I'm like, we're, you know. I mean, I would not want to defend our offense, you know. And uh, but it just goes with the territory. That's uh, you know, that's part of it. Um, you know, with my job, his job, and anytime you're coaching or you're in the public like that, that's that's okay. People are entitled to their opinions, and we don't take offense to it. You know, not to say that it's never personal. Sometimes it is. You know, if it gets to us, but. You can't listen to any of that. If you let that affect us, then uh, you're going to have a short career. So your relationship with him is, is strong right now. Oh, I, absolutely it is. Uh, just a year ago, I think it was, or less than a year ago, I was fending off uh, some of the top five teams in the country to hire him. So believe me, I'm, I'm very comfortable with him. You know, are, are we all happy? You know, all of us want to get better. You know, we're not happy with where we're at. It is what it is. You know, we've got to do a good job to find the best solutions to put our team in a position to be successful and to win each and every week with the players that we have. And so uh, we'll, we'll do that. All right, Shane, I don't know what the ceiling of this Wildcat offense is if Lynn Bowden is under center, but he certainly provided them a spark, like I said. And then Eddie Grand, I mean, hell, Shane, they won 10 games with this guy. I know there were a lot of times fans were not happy with the offense last year because it seemed like it was just Benny Snell or nothing. And now without uh, Benny Snell and the Terry Wilson, I mean, this unit is at times just struggling mightily. But uh, what are your thoughts on Stoops kind of having to stick up for his offensive coordinator here? Uh, you like to hear that. I mean, I agree. It, the thing is, Eddie's got he's dealt some pretty rough cards right now. I mean, he doesn't have a quarterback. And, you know, his best option at quarterback is, uh, is a wide receiver, you know. So um, this is this is this tough. And, you know, I was watching, uh, not to compare it to NFL, but I was watching the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati uh, uh, game the other day. And here you are without uh, a quarterback. Big Ben's out. But they went predominantly run, and they were creative with those running plays. Mm -hmm. So that part kind of frustrates me when you look at a team like Kentucky and and instead of changing kind of what they're they are they, they they're still trying to stick to the same old game plan and you know I just felt like there wasn't enough adjustment during that South Carolina game in my opinion mm -hmm. so I, I get why they're upset but like I said if you don't have a quarterback to throw the ball then that 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 makes it tough well I think this goes back to something I said earlier in the week I just think that there's going to be a lot of teams in this league this year, not the marquee teams, obviously, but kind of the middle of the pack teams 
Mm-hmm. Well, I just think they're going to look night and day different on the road versus, versus at home. And we've already seen that quite a few with Kentucky and Mississippi State, South Carolina. I, I would even argue Missouri. And I just think Kentucky's like, I know fans are freaking out right now, but got a number of home games coming up here, starting with the Arkansas game. If you're going to play an SEC game, Shane, I think Arkansas is probably your top choice right now to get things right, particularly at home. So I look for, you know, I think I think Kentucky will find a way to get the car back on the track, so to speak. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think it's going to start with uh, Eddie Grand dialing up some nice plays here. They, you know, like you said, they got to get more creative because of the hand they're dealt with. You just can't line it up and, and try to run. And you also can't throw it 40 times with a guy with a dinged-up shoulder and hand and yeah. leg and everything. So uh, they're going to have to get creative with it. But uh, I th- I've got enough credit – or I've got enough faith in Eddie Grant to get that done. I, I think, too, you gotta, you got you're going to have to address this offensive line. I mean – as much as I mean, we were. I mean, I was all over Kentucky's offensive line going into that, even after that Florida game. But that they were not a day different during the South Carolina game. I mean, they gave up some huge sacks. They gave up. I mean, it felt like there was pressure all day long. They they had trouble running the ball. Uh, it just seemed like they were just not the same fiery bunch that we saw two weeks ago. So uh, that's another area I, I we've got to see some improvement during the bye mm-hmm. uh now finally shane here sticking with kentucky lynn bowden met with the media here recently and he was asked about uh you know taking those reps under center with the quarterbacks and i mean he's such a playmaker and he just can't stand having the that non-contact jersey on I got the upper hand because I play receiver now and I know the coverages and know what it's going to look like to disguise coverages. And just being back at quarterback, you know, it's just I can be able to pick people apart or just, just do what I got to do. Is there anything learning-wise as far as within your receiving group as far as learning how to develop chemistry with those guys out there? Um, You know, we, we, we came out here yesterday, the day before that, you know, just through, through a little bit, you know, just getting, getting back into the rhythm just in case I am called on. So Different for you having put on that red shirt? No, oh, I actually choo- chose to uh, put on a red shirt. You know, um, I'm probably gonna go back in the white one because I don't like being a red shirt. People calling me soft and stuff. I ain't like that. <laughs> I told them they still could tackle me. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I just I put it on though. I just wanted to feel apart, you know, with the quarterback. So, I'm sure you've heard the comparisons to Randall Cobb probably since you came in. What's it like now that you might actually have to play quarterback just like he did? Oh, uh, you know, I, I saw him in text uh, over the weekend. I said. Uh, Randall Cobb 2.0, and, you know, he sent me the eyes like QB season. I'm like, oh, I don't know yet. So, um, you know, I, I still I still keep, uh, keep base with him, you know, some, some, someone I uh, look up to. So, you know, just just being able to be compared to him, like I always say, is, it's a blessing. All right, Shane, so you can't hold Lim Bowden back from some contact. <laughs> Maybe that's why he is uh, the playmaker he is. You know, he doesn't want anything given to him. Uh, how about that? And the, the comparison there to Randall Cobb, I – Obviously, that comparison has been made time and time again, but it's starting to become more and more a reality here now that uh, they both kind of have to forced to play quarterback for the Kentucky Wildcats. Dude, he wants to be a quarterback so bad, don't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he said, he goes, you know, it's not like the coaches gave him a red jersey. He said, I got the red jersey. You know, he just, he wanted to, he, he wants to be quarterback. And I get that, you know. Hell, I wanted to be a quarterback growing up. It just wasn't in my card. So, you <laughs> know, I, I think it's, uh, 
I think reps are important because, you know, something we talked about, that package, I can't remember what they called it, but the wildcat package that he was in, mm-hmm. if if he does have some drawn-up plays, you know, some safe routes with the receiver so they don't just load the box every time he's back there, it could be something. This is that type of play calling that we were talking about that you got to mix it up, you got to make it fun, you got to you – gotta, find creative ways to stretch this ball you know Mm -hmm. all right Shane so that's all the news we got on this episode like I said it's a little bit of a shorter one but uh we got a couple mailbag questions here okay let's do it listen up it's time for mail call don't have to answer that question I'll answer the question you want answers I think I'm entitled you want answers I want the truth you can't handle the truth Turn. What do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, oh God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. Fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. What are those red fire trucks? All right, Chad, I'm going to read these off because if not, we might be here all evening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first one here comes from Aiken SC Gamecock on Twitter. Uh, you know, he listened to our one of our most recent podcasts here, Shay, where we were talking about uh, the top freshman quarterbacks in the SEC. And here's his question. He asked it of me, Shane, but uh, I'll ask it of you as well once I give my list. But he says, Mike, on the latest podcast, you gave your top two freshman quarterbacks in the SEC, and Halinski wasn't on the list. Uh, that surprised me, even though he's been a little off since hurting his elbow uh, before the Missouri game. How do you rank the freshman quarterbacks? Uh, so I'll just give you my list, Shane, and then you kind of just maybe give me your thoughts on yours. But uh, mm-hmm. n- number one, and I know I've been critical of this guy at times. Hell, I've been kind of critical of all these guys at times. But I think i got to go with Bo Nix, number one. And a lot of that has to do with uh, how well he performed through the air against Mississippi State. That was a missing aspect of his game. And the one thing that I've really seen from Knicks that I've not necessarily seen from the rest of these guys, uh, but he has done it on the road. I mean, that college station game against Texas A&M, those fans were fired up uh, thinking they were going to get a big home win against Auburn. And they, I mean, they were never really even in it. Uh, And that wasn't necessarily because of Bo Nix, but... I mean, he was unfazed by it. And then, of course, the game-winning pass in his first game. I mean, it's how can you top that for a true freshman? Uh, so I got Bo Nix, number one. I got the bearded trader, number two, Shane. And uh, I know, you know, he didn't come, come in and do that well, I didn't think, against Kansas State. But he really rallied the next week against Kentucky. And then entering in such a huge atmosphere on the road at Auburn, down 21-0, I thought he looked completely unfazed there, so I got I got to give the bearded trader number two, and then that's right there is where I'll have Helinski number three, and he'd probably be higher on this list if he wasn't you know banged up, but he clearly was against Missouri. I thought he was more of a liability than anything, and that was his first road game, so I'm I'm not trying to bury him, but sometimes it takes these freshman quarterbacks a little while to get used to playing on the road in the SEC. He had a hell of a game there against Alabama. I thought against even Kentucky at home, I didn't think he looked that great. So it's clearly still, I think, 
little banged up. I think this bye week's coming out the perfect time for Helinski. I think he's going to have a huge game against Georgia. They're going to need him to. Uh, and then number four, Shane, I'm going with uh, John Rice Plumley because I know we've not seen a ton from this kid, but man, when he, I mean, he went on on the field against Cal and he was immediately a spark. Yeah. I, I mean, he almost won on that damn Cal game in we kind of saw the same thing against Alabama, and I know we've only seen him in two games here, but sometimes you just you either got it or you don't. And, and I mean, this kid, at no point have I. I know he's got he's got some areas to work on in his passing game, but I don't know. I'm just incredibly impressed by just the sh- just the short film we've seen on this kid. But uh, if you can just come in and be that big of a spark right off the bench, and then I guess Alabama, my God, Shane, I mean, Ole Miss had a, had a lead at the end of the first quarter against Alabama. So I think uh, this is a nice crop of quarterbacks here in the SEC. And then uh, he asked about specifically freshmen, so I'll also add Brian Maurer at the at the tail end here. We, yeah. have, we haven't seen, a, obviously, a lot of him, but came off the bench, led the only Tennessee scoring drive on the road at Florida. I mean, he looked unfazed. Uh, so I think that's big for his development. I think obviously they had no intention of playing him, so it was kind of uh, it was probably hard for him to come in and, and know all what to do. I think we might be seeing a little bit more of Brian Maurer here this week against Georgia. He may be moving up this list, but uh, so just to, once again to run down it, I got Bo Nix, Bearded Schrader, Ryan Heislinski, John Rice Plumley, and Brian Maurer number five. What are your thoughts on uh, that list, Shane? It's the exact same list I would have, Mike. Uh, I mean, I don't think we could question Bo Nix there at the top spot. The the where it gets muddled is with Bearded Trader and Helensky. And honestly, you can't. I'm factoring the injury. You know, I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's not injury. But the the fact that the Bearded Trader went to Auburn and he was the only offense they had you know, impressed me against this defense. And, of course, they got beat. I get that. And he made some freshman mistakes. But there's there's things that I see in him that he has the tangibles needed to be a great quarterback in this conference. Helensky does too. Helensky has the weapons. He has the arm. I think he is banged up right now. But I, I'm deducting a few points because of it. Because mm-hmm. of the Missouri game, you look at the South Carolina game. I, I, I didn't come away from the South Carolina-Kentucky game, I mean, and, and say, you know what, they won that because of Holinsky. They won that because of that running game, uh, that run the running backs, mm-hmm. the offensive line, the defense was all over them. Holinsky just, he was, an, he was an excellent game manager. So I think he's growing, and I think the opportunity is going to, it's going to come up this season where he can, he has the opportunity to shine. But at this given moment, I got to give Schrader the nod there. Plum, same thing. Anybody that can move up this list quicker is going to be this kid. I like to call him Plum Tree, just because I can't remember how the how his real name goes. But let's just say Plum Tree. I, I love the mobility factor with him. He just he's just I don't know. He's just electric. He's fun to watch. And when you have somebody like that, you've seen it on other teams. He makes your team better because. Just when you feel like you've got everybody accounted for, he's he's tucking the ball and he's gone. And next thing you know, he's 15, 20 yards down the field. So that keeps you in any game. And, Brian, I we may know more Saturday 
uh, uh, everything I'm hearing, we're going to know a lot more Saturday. So, uh, you know, he's somebody that can potentially move up the list, but, you know, going off what I saw with Florida, I got to keep him at the fifth spot. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, next mailbag question. This comes via Reddit to our guy, T.H. Gerwa. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But this one is for you, Shane. Specific question for Big Orange Vols here. Yes, sir. Shane, what was the first conversation like when Mike asked you to join the show? Uh, what was your reaction? And when did you decide you were going to do this for real? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, Mike started this a little before I did. And, and it's funny because I remember driving home and Mike called me. And as I'm coming home from work and he's like, Hey man, I'm thinking about firing up this podcast and, you know, I'm thinking about getting different, uh, people on, you know, different days of the week. And I wanted to see if maybe you wanted to talk one day of the week. And I was like, yeah, I said, that, that sounds cool. You know? And, uh, we start talking spitballing ideas and, and we talked, I talked all the way home and it takes me like an hour to get home, you know? So the more, the more we talked about it, the more excited I got about it. And I was like, okay, but I'm nervous, dude. I didn't, I was nervous. If you listen to that first one, dude, I was all over the place. You think I'm a mess now? You should have seen me <laughs> on that first one, man. I don't know what I said. I was so, I, I had heart palpitations and everything. I wasn't drinking then, you know, during those, I was focused, man. <laughs> BDIs because I felt like a million people were listening to me for some reason, you know, like I was on a WIVK or something, you know? <laughs> so, so, uh, he started talking and then man, we, we rolled with it. And then, you know, the rest is history. We just, we, it bled into the next day. And, and, uh, I'll tell you, man, I just, I, I enjoy it so much. It, it's because just a small, small, uh, tidbit about my life. Um, uh, me and my wife, we work at the same place, the same industry. And so when we're at work, it's all about work. We come home, it's all about work. It's just, you know, it's just, it consumes me sometimes. And this right here allows me to escape all of that and just talk college football. Talk about the thing that I've loved, I've, my first love, man. I mean, I, I was, I've been playing, I played football when I was five years old, probably before that, you know, but I mean, I played all through high school and it's just a sport I love. And I hated that, you know, that last day when I wasn't able to do it again. So now the next best thing is just talking about it. So, uh, that's why I do it, man. I do it because I, I love the fans. I love SEC football. I love Tennessee Vols and, uh, of course, family, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, podcast has become a favorite part of my day, Shane, so I always look forward to do it. I know it's a ton of work. You know, we put in quite a bit, but the end of the day, it uh, keeps growing. It keeps getting bigger and better, and we're trying to grow it to the point to where this is the only thing we're doing. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why we keep rolling them out for everybody. We're trying to grow this thing, trying to get an audience, and uh, the feedback's been incredible. We We wouldn't... We still wouldn't be doing these if no one was listening, probably, at least at least not this many of them. So uh, <laughs> we're kind of doing it for everybody, trying to uh, just try to give you the best SEC podcast out there. I think, you know, one thing I notice, uh, there's a tons of other podcasts that I, I listen to a lot of them, obviously, and a uh, big fan of, of all of them. I, I'm not a hater on anyone, but one thing I have always noticed is while there are good podcasts out there, particularly if they're SEC, I mean, they want to talk about Alabama and Georgia 
Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll sprinkle some LSU talk and and what did Coach O say or something like that. But they don't hit on all the teams. We we really make an effort to do that. We want to be give you guys the content that no one else is doing. So that's kind of what we're doing here. And uh, as long as you guys keep listening and the show keeps growing, we're going to keep doing them. And uh, we're just going to have a good time doing it. Yeah, it's, you're right, dude, because I'll tell you, man, there's sometimes, like right now, it's 10 o'clock at night, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've worked all day, and then I get here, and, and I just, I don't want to let y'all down, you know? I, that's sometimes, I mean, I was hoping, there's been sometimes I've been like, man, I hope Mike texts me and says, you know what, it's too late, let's just do it tomorrow, you know? But, you know, I do it because... I, I, I don't know. I just like, because I'm like you guys, you know, uh, when I go to work tomorrow, I want to listen to something on my way to work to get my mind off of work. And, uh, I like to know if I, w- if we weren't doing this podcast, I'd be looking for a podcast like this so I can see what's going on around the league, you know, and, and find out little tidbits on my team and stuff like that. So, um, that's why I do it because I put myself in your shoes because I'm in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, well said, Shane. I think that's going to wrap it up for this one, unless you got anything else before we hop off here. No, uh, ratings and reviews, those really do help us out. We've got a few. we got a real good one uh, I'm going to read tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, this one's going a little long. It's a little late, like I mentioned. And uh, so I just appreciate everybody hanging out with us and uh, taking the time to give those uh, reviews in. Really do help us out. All right, Shane. Well, thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols. <laughs> Give me your rock and I was ready to roll on to California.